That was crazy. I'm 12 minutes late. So let me see what I found out. I have found out that whatever the um, update on my computer, I can't access my ancillary camera. It's only picking up the camera on my MacBook. So I'm sure I look a little different. <laughs> the lighting is crazy. And um, let me see if I can fix that a little. It's just different because it's so low. Um, so my camera is different tonight. It's the camera on my MacBook instead of my little webcam. I cannot get it to connect. I've literally been working on it for about 30 minutes. So I think it has something to do with my update. But I hope I figure it out by Saturday because Saturday I have um, my shape spotlight with Stephanie. So anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's do three cheers of joy. I need it. Okay, first cheer of joy. I made it, right? That's my first cheer of joy as I made it here. So cheers to that. And I'm drinking a bourbon tonight, a bouillé. I have leftover from when Faceless Love was here, so I'm drinking that tonight. So cheers to making it to the podcast, even though I was late. I mean, somebody gonna write me up or something? <laughs> okay, cheers to that. My, oh. See my Steffi? All right, my second cheer of joy. Um, just not freaking out, right? I have, um, I think I've grown past the freaking out phase. So, so cheers to not freaking out when things get a little bit hairy. Let me see, I got two messages. Um, mm, to not uh, freaking out when things get a little crazy. So cheers to that to not freaking out. So my first cheer of joy was making it here tonight. My second cheer of joy was not freaking out. And um, my third cheer of joy is just constantly working on the technology piece, constantly trying to figure out the technology piece. I mean, I'm the Gen X, right? So my generation is, we got the computers when they were new, like we learned on the computers. So I'm always trying to figure out the technology and cheers to not giving up on the technology. So those are my three cheers of joy tonight. So the first was making it here at 9.12. The second cheer of joy was not freaking out because I couldn't get my camera to work. It's still sitting here looking at me, but it's not coming on. And then my third cheer of joy was just continuing the struggle with the technology. So three cheers of joy and three cheers of joy, three moments of self-celebration that have nothing to do with anybody else. You appreciate yourself, your resilience, your ability to just push through just goodness for yourself, right? And that's where um, I am tonight, just trying to settle into the moment and try to get my bearings so that we can have a good show. And I've told you guys, this is therapy for me. So when I do the shows, there's an expectation for me that when I dump all of this stuff off of me, I'm going to sleep well and I'm going to move forward until the next week. So um, let's go on. So it's Wednesday, February 17th. We just had Valentine's Day. It's Black History Month. So, so many great things are happening this month. Um, 
yesterday morning, I was um, featured as a Black History moment for uh, one of my Facebook friends. And they talked about my book, The Virtues of Joy. And I was really pleased about that because because I have so many things happening, sometimes I forget to talk about the fact that I have uh, that I'm a writer and I have these amazing books. And um, when somebody else mentions them, it makes me blush. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, oh, thank you. So um, uh, thank you, Sherry. I appreciate you, my cousin. Hi there, Stephanie. So um, I was really pleased to see that because we all do stuff every day that just solidifies our own role in Black history. We do something every day that just turns the tide of whether it's education or technology or medicine or service, whatever. We do something and we literally should stop and just give ourselves kudos for being in that moment, just for even if it's only changing the ideas of what is or what will be in our house with our kids because those are the people that will carry it on for us as as long as they know that we work hard and we try and we strive to be great they will always look at us and think like gosh my mom blah 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 my dad blah 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 so we may not be on an international or national platform but if we can touch lives around us and just spread goodness we're definitely a part of Black history. And that's what we need. There's a lot of damage and um, in Black black communities. I won't even say Black community because there's an expectation that Black Americans are a single community and we're not. So in Black communities, there's a lot of damage and there's going to be some healing. There's will generations to come still, there will be healing to take place. So that generational trauma, we're going to try to change the tide on that. And I think that, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I think the insurrection was kind of like the nod that, you know, Black America is taking a stand at the front, right? Like this is our time to move forward and to show our greatness and to step in these roles. And whether we believe in the ideology of <clears throat> the beginning of America or not, it is our home. We can't make any changes without taking a stand. So you don't get to take a stand from the back of the room. You don't get to take a stand being silent. You don't get to take a stand being in a job that you hate. You don't get to take a stand being abused, like just taking it. Those aren't the stances that you don't get to take those stands when you're doing those things. You have to literally put yourself out there. One of my colleagues said, uh, she had a quote and she said, I know what I bring to the table, so I'm not afraid to eat alone. And that's a big deal because there are a lot of people who are afraid to eat alone. There are a lot of people who are afraid to eat without permission. And we're changing the world, right? We're changing the world one obstacle, one thing at a time. And we have to just literally accept our role in it. And we're not getting any younger. 51, I'm 51. And that means for the next 39, 40 years, I got work to do. Like my work doesn't end because I don't work for Eckert Drugs anymore, which no longer exists. Or if I don't teach anymore in the traditional setting, or if I don't work in corporate, my work doesn't done socially and morally, my work continues. And I have to, we have to own the fact that without our presence and without our gifts and without our actions, 
the world suffers a little bit more. There's a reason why you are put in a position to move people, to have these amazing decisions, to, you know, to step outside of the box or to stand tall. There's a reason why it's not happenstance. So um, just continue to make history and um, Black history, history period, because I think the change of the United States is just going to be history. And we've spent our whole lives delineating groups of black or are you black American? Are you African American? Are you white? Are you Caucasian? Are you European? And are you this? Are you this? Are you this? So there's always a label. And the label, I think, just kind of tries to figure out how do we collect the data on such a wide collective of cultures in one space. And that's what the United States is. That's what it's about, right? That's what life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? That's what the United States is about. Like we, everybody can come here and make a home and live in a democratic society, but there has to be a way to manage. There had to be a way to manage based on color, and now that we all see that that is not the way to do it, there will be other ways. It will be based on male or female or education level or socioeconomic status or jobs. Or there are so many categories of data that we all span because I'm just not black. I'm a woman of a certain age with a certain degree of education, of experience. And so there are all these different things, but somebody has to be able to facilitate the collection of data that tells the story of America. And that's where we are. And it doesn't matter if you black or African-American or white or Caucasian or Mexican, those things don't matter if you haven't perpetuated movement of people. You end up getting lost. I mean, you think about Native Americans, hell, this is their country here first, and they don't even claim it, right? It belongs to the, the universe and to God. And you think about Native Americans as, as as bad, poorly as they were treated and killed off and moved to different parts of the country, and they're still moving forward, perpetuating the goodness of what it means to be American. And you don't go away because of turmoil or trials and tribulations. You push through and that's where we all find ourselves. You don't get to quit. There won't be a time when somebody says when they were black Americans and they'd stop existing in this time. That's not gonna happen. There's a cycle of um, longevity associated with all of us and, and we still have to do our part to move the nation forward, to move the world forward. And we're here now and if you don't, if you can't look at yourself and see the goodness in yourself beyond the destruction of what's happening in in other cultures or political parties, then you really need to spend some time just kind of self-evaluation of what am I supposed to be doing? And that's whether you're black or white or whatever, you're human. It's like, what am I supposed to be doing? And how do I get to do that? Right? So that's literally how I just move and I know it's weird because I always talk about other humans because <laughs> I don't feel necessarily impacted by other humans because I um, I don't want to, whether they're my children. And uh, that I had a really just interesting conversation with my son today. I'll share it in a few minutes, but I'm just, 
I have a job to do. I have a purpose to fill. I'm trying to find it. I'm going to love who I can love and receive love where I can and give love unconditionally, but I'm not going to subject myself to somebody's crap because that's those days are over. Like, I don't even want to hear it. So let's get to our uh, Facebook post of the week since I started with the whole rant and I'm drinking, I said, a bouillet bourbon I had left over from the weekend. I didn't even think to get wine today. That's how you know it's beats, right? It's been working so much. All right. So let's see. Facebook post of the week brought to you by stmspecialties.com. Let's see what I got tonight. Uh, I read that one last week. That was funny. Okay. I read that one last week. You know what? I'm going to say this because I'm, I just noticed this in my phone. I freaking love Google Earth. And I don't know if any of you ever use Google Earth, but man, I go on Google Earth and go all over the world. It is so neat because you get to see like 3D images of different places. And I I think during the pandemic, I need that because I've been stuck at home, right? We all have just to try to do our part to keep everybody safe. But I love going on Google Earth and just moving my fingers around and going to all these different places. I went last week to Mount Vesuvius, just a reminder of what it looked like. Because remember, I hiked it two years ago, almost two years ago. And so I went to look at it and just to think like, wow, I'm badass to hit the top of that thing, that volcano, right? And I just was sharing that with my students about active volcanoes and even though they're not spewing lava sometimes you can still smell that sulfur heavy in the air when we were when i was in italy i could just smell the sulfur so thick in the air on some mornings and it almost hung like a yellow fog it's just really interesting and those types of things help me keep me grounded because it reminds me that while i am great if i don't maximize that I'm going to be short-lived, right? So I'll be insignificant. If I don't maximize my power and my greatness for the good of, then I will. nobody will remember that I existed and my impact will be short-lived. So I am, um, that go, go to Google Earth and look wherever you wanna go. I have plans, Faceless Love and I, I'm making plans to travel to Greece in a couple years. And I've been looking at the Greek islands and looking at the ferries and how to get here and how to get there. I love making plans. Oh my God, that is just, plans set me free. I love making plans. I think that when I started making plans, of course I didn't have any money and I didn't have anybody to do the things. So they were just kind of dreams. And at some point my dreams turned to actual plans. Like I want to do this. And then I started doing things, but there wasn't until I accepted that I was, could move and I could do those things without somebody else. So I love, if you want to get to me, make some plans. If you, <laughs> if you want to get me to talk about something, make some freaking plans. Cause I want to know what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to stay? What foods are you going to try? What I want to know all of it. Like I am the queen of planning and I know that's got to be annoying to 
many people, but for me, it lets me know I'm free. It lets me know that whatever I'm in is going to go away. I love plans. Love, 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 love. All right. So let's see. I think I read that from my daughter last week. So you guys saw last last Saturday, there was a, um, I'm going to call this a Facebook post too. So Google Earth was a Facebook post and this is a Facebook post. Last Saturday, I ran in, uh, I say the word ran loosely um, in a 5K. So I kind of walked faster than I did in January. That's what I did. So it was my second 5K this year. And my goal is to do one every month. And I didn't start off with that goal, but it's kind of turning into that because it's not so bad. And it gives you a sense of accomplishment, right? And um, it just makes you know you have something to look forward to, to push yourself to go. So I'm going to do another one in March and it may end up being virtual um, if I can't find a local one. So anyway, so I did a 5k Friday. So it was, I mean, Saturday morning. So it was me, uh, my girlfriend, Jennifer, and um, Faceless Love. So we all did the 5K together. Well, Jennifer and I walked it. Uh, Faceless Love ran, so he, he's a runner. But it rained the whole way. It rained like the whole 3.1 miles. And then walking back to the car, it rained even harder and it poured down. Um, but it was a good event. And it, I found myself along the route thanking God for things like, thank God, thank you, Lord, for not allowing the thunder and lightning to come. You know, I found myself just being in the moment and being grateful for what it was in the moment. So that was really good. And then um, Jennifer and I, Jennifer is um, a mental health counselor and she does her, she's called the bench counselor and she does free counseling for people and families during the pandemic because it's the fucking pandemic. Pandemic is crazy. And so she found out that she was, she just figured she needed to step into a place of purpose, right? And she started offering free counseling. If you're in the Tampa area, you'll see her. She's sitting out on a bench. She's got a sign. You go and sit and talk with her. She'll refer you for services. She'll set up appointments to see you later, you know, whatever. So she has carved out her own niche, right? She's figured out where she can find her place. So anyway, on Saturdays, she does, um, she came up with a series called Benched. And so on her Bench series, she tackles some tough issues. And we looked in January at some kind of, not necessarily race relations, it's more human relations, like the impact and the ideology behind movement of people. So that was in January. And then we talked about faith and um trusting in God and seeing Jesus in your face and in your reflection. And then on Saturday, it was our second episode, my second episode with her. She's done four, I think. It's my second with her. Or maybe it's, is it my third or second? Oh, it's my third with her. Dang. So it's my third one with her. And um, we, we kept talking like, so do we change it to next weekend? Do we do it remotely? because of the rain, right? So we just kept trying to toss it around. Well, after, when we were going in to the finish, our last 0.10 miles, 0.1 miles, we were going by and Faceless Love had found this amazing awning, like a um, 
covered sitting area that he was waiting for us. I said, he's a runner. He was sitting there waiting for us. And we were like, well, we can do it there, right? So after the race, we're soaking wet. We go back to the cars. She's got these little mics. We mic up and we sit out there and we do the benched episode. And it took, we lasted for like probably 58 minutes. They're supposed to last 30 minutes, but she and I have like this amazing conversation, a dynamic of exchanging information, just a conversation that just could go on a perpetual conversation about anything. And we kind of ebb and flow and, you know, one, two punch. And so we sat out and talked about um, being lonely, lonely in relationships, lonely when you're by yourself, right? How, how do you get beyond the feeling of lonely? And I learned a lot, like I, because she's very spiritual and she's raised in church and she is Southern Baptist. Like she is that's who she is. So she has studied the Bible and she studied God and people and, and she's a mental health counselor. So she has great insight on um, people and situations. And she said, and I didn't know this, that grief and lonely, loneliness were two emotions that we weren't supposed to feel, that that's not how we were designed. And she told me the story behind it. And she told me the story and it made, um, it made uh, so much great sense to me. Like when she said, I was like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. And it, and it also helped me to understand how important our truth, being truthful to ourselves about our situation. Because I feel like in a time that I was lying about, and I say lying and I mean that, when I was lying to myself about my situation, was probably the time that I felt the loneliest. And that was in my marriage, right? I'm lying about what my marriage is. I'm putting out this false thing of what's happening. And in the reality, none of those things were happening and I was dying. So I was setting myself up for failure, emotional and mental health failure, because I was lying, trying to protect what this institution was. And so we talked, we talked through that. We talked through the truth. We talked about what it means to lie to yourself, what it means to sit lonely in situations and you don't have to like, and not that you, and I mean, Y'all know I'm the queen of fill my empty time with bullshit. I've done it. I've talked about it. I don't make any bones about it. I've interacted with people that I shouldn't have interacted with for the simple sake of having a person around. And it still doesn't take away the lonely, right? That feeling. And so we that was our that was our main conversation on Saturday because it was the holiday coming up. And we knew that a lot of people would be feeling that empty space of emotion of I want to be with somebody, whether it's for to stunt for the is for Instagram to put something on Facebook or to whatever the reason you need, you feel like you need somebody you need to. I know that for me, I had to figure myself out. I had to tell myself the truth about the shit that was happening around me. When I was able to do that, that took away that lonely feeling because I stopped building in spaces for people in situations that didn't exist. That's important. Like we literally have to hold on to that idea of being truthful about ourselves so that we can walk faithfully and move boldly along our next steps. So we sat out there and we talked about being lonely. We talked about relationships. We talked about 
uh, building relationships through social media and on your phone and not interacting with people. I mean, they, we ran the gamut of conversations and it was good. So I enjoyed that. Meanwhile, we're still wet as hell, right? So we left, um, we wrapped that up. She went home and she had these great little mics because I mean, man, I'm going to have to get some. But anyway, we left and we home. She left and then Faceless Love and I left and we ran a couple errands and then we got home and had to shower, get out of our wet clothes because it had been a torrential downpour all day. So we just chilled. And so later on Saturday, Jennifer and her husband invited us to go to the movies with them. I know it's a pandemic, but they rented out the whole theater so that they could just take their friends. And it was probably six of us or maybe eight of us. And we got to go to the movies in the pandemic. And I freaking loved it. <laughs> I loved it because I had I haven't been out like that since the pandemic. And we were able to sit faceless love and I sat up in the top middle where we always, even when we were young teenagers and we go to the movies together, we sat in the top and we ate nachos and we laughed and we just had a good time. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe we're in the movie theater. And it was great. So just the Saturday was great. And the bench counselor, great series. I'm trying to figure out how to, um, She's got to start a YouTube channel because she's going to need to publish these uh, episodes. And uh, in the meantime, they're available on my YouTube. But she's just a phenomenal counselor. And her name is Jennifer Shiver. And I literally trust um, her conversation. And she's in it. That's it. I trust the conversation. So I look forward to the next time we get to do it. And we're working on a, another event together. I'll tell you guys about it in a couple weeks. It's a... A 5K in memory of two teachers that passed away at our school. So we're working on that together. You know, so we, she and I have come together at this point in our lives and we're building these alliances of growth and movements of trust with each other. And, um, and I'm liking it. So it's really cool. So that was on Saturday for the bench counselor. We were wet, wet, wet. So if you want to watch the episode, it is on my Facebook. Um, let's see what else I got what I put for my one more Facebook post of the week and then we can go oh yeah that's the one that we talked about that rape last week what that looks like and we don't um so and then here's one funny for Valentine's Day I had to share it um it says <laughs> is motherfucker one or two words I'm writing a valentine <laughs> I was like, now that's probably my Valentine. That's probably me writing right there. I thought that was funny. I swear people are so hilarious on um, Facebook. So that always makes me laugh when I read stuff. Um, what I did realize in 2016, I took myself on a Valentine's trip. And so I took myself, I was went to New Orleans to hang out in New Orleans. And in 2016 was definitely a year of reckoning for me because it was like, you know, when you have those years when you have to grow the hell up or not, like you have those times that happen when you literally have to grow up. Well, 2016 was my year. It was gonna be a year of change for me. I had to get my shit together. I didn't realize at the time that's what it was. I think I 
figured it out when my daughter called me and told me she was pregnant. And I was like, shit, I got to get my life together because you don't know. You just don't know. Like you just go through life figuring it out. And then you realize that your child is made a decision to become a mom. And I can't fuss at her because she's responsible for her own body. I couldn't fuss or anything. It was just like, are you sure this is a great responsibility? Blah, 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 blah. You know, that kind of thing. Well, that probably happened in March, maybe. Ariel was born in December. So maybe March or April, I found out about that. But anyway, in February of that year, I had already started this kind of self-love journey. This nobody could love me more than me because I had given up on the idea that I was going to meet somebody who could love me. And I wasn't really putting myself in loving situations. I'm talking, I was putting myself in situations for sex. I wasn't putting myself in situations to for anything of quality, anything of substance. I was that's the truth is I was putting myself out there for sex. Right. So it wasn't nothing coming from that shit, but we still hope that somebody's going to love us. And I think, so for Valentine's day, I decided that I was going to be close to new Orleans. I decided I was going to new Orleans and I did, I drove myself to new Orleans like two hours, I think from Jackson, Mississippi, maybe less, but I drove myself to new Orleans and, um, I hung out for probably the day before Valentine's Day, right? So I probably got there one night, stayed overnight, hung out, French Quarter by myself. I mean, I had my bottle and had some chicken. You know, I just had my regular travel little stuff. And I just hung out on in the French Quarter and I ate grilled cheese at this restaurant. I remember that. And I just hung out like literally I hung out so much that I ended up sleeping in my car in the parking lot of a hotel because the hotel my plan was to get a room but the hotel was booked so I slept in my car uh so I could drive back to Jackson the next day so I did that and then I left Jackson Mississippi and I flew up to New York um and then I got to New York and I drove to Quebec to Montreal and I just was like, you know what? If I'm not going to be French kissed and I'm not going to be lavished in all this amazingness that in my mind signified Valentine's Day, I was like, I'm going to treat myself to something that I'll never forget. What can I do to substitute the French kiss? What can I do to love me and to know that this is important to me because it's important to me, not because it's important to somebody else? So I took myself on that trip from French quarters to French Quebec to Montreal. And I went there to Montreal. It's so funny because I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't realize until I got into Canada that the signs were in fucking French. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't speak no French. And uh, the sign that I recognized was casino. And I ended up going to the casino. I went there and and, uh, gambled a little bit, played a few slots. And then I left and then I had some, had a great dinner just to me by myself exploring. And I had a great dinner and I left and then I drove back into New York and um, 
And that was probably about four hours, three, four hours. It wasn't a short trip. Like that was a long ride, but it was significant for me because it was me on my journey. And I remember the one thing that brought tears to my eyes throughout this whole journey, throughout the whole thing was driving through the Adirondack Mountains. And I had never, like, my mind had never processed such magnificence. That's the word I would use, magnificence. Like, my mind had never seen anything as grand. And I mean, huge, like, for the size of the mountain, I was the size of an ant, right? Like, that's how momentous, like these are huge ass mountains, snow-capped mountains. It is the craziest thing. So it was so overwhelming that I ended up pulling over to the side of the road and crying, like, because I was overwhelmed with just like the beauty of it. Now we see stuff all the time. Like we live in a beautiful country. It's stuff everywhere from, hell, I can take you places from Florida to Georgia to all the way out west, up north, midwest, I can take you all over and show you beautiful sights in the United States. But I'm gonna tell you, those mountains, the Adirondack Mountains, were breathtaking. Like, it was significant in my life, right? And so these moments of significance, those moments and others to come and others to pass, those are the things that change my life. Like those are the things that make me understand that I'm greater than the moment that I'm in, that my purpose has to be. There's so much out there to see. And it also helps me to understand that I'm not easily influenced and I'm not easily impressed by somebody who. So that was just crazy. Like, oh my God, the Adirondack Mountains or bananas. Do you hear me? Bananas. So that was my weekend and I just took myself up there. And I, you know what I had for dinner when I was in Canada? Hot dogs. <laughs> Hot dogs are a big thing in Montreal. How you eat them, what kind of bread, the toppings. I was like, I found a restaurant. I don't speak any French. I was going to go in and look at the menu. I'm, that's where I am. I'm in there looking at the menu and it's hot dogs. <laughs> I was like, I came all the way to Montreal to eat a damn hot dog. And I'm sure there was other stuff, but I didn't speak the language. And, you know, it was just dinner. So it was fine. So um, just, it was a great trip. And if you've never taken yourself on a trip, if you've never gone somewhere by yourself and push your own mind to the limits of what you can do and what you're capable of, do it. Like it's so worth it. And if you're married or in a relationship, your spouse should do their own trip. You can do stuff together, but your individual growth is crucial to your contribution to the universe. Like we have to continue to grow. So that was 2016. And I guess that's my last Facebook post of the week brought to you by stmspecialties.com. And I literally just want to enjoy being, right? I just, there's, I'm not going to do anything anymore that doesn't bring me pleasure. I'm not going to do it. And if it's not pleasurable, it's going to be temporary. <laughs> it's going to be quick. 
right? Like, <sighs> let me just get through this. But I just feel like I'm supposed to enjoy my life. I feel like I'm supposed to be patient, not get worked up about my technology not working. It's okay. And, it, and the thing that makes it really okay is it's my thing. It's my thing. I'm walking along my path. I'm setting the standard for what I have to re rectify this by next week. Like these are things that I have to do. And I'm so fortunate to be in that position in that situation. But I don't have to stress about it anymore. And it's a, you guys know, joy exposed is important to me. Like this is I think about it all week. Like I've got, what am I going to talk about? Do I have a um, agenda tonight or am I going to ramble? What do I need to talk about for sure? I'm, you know, I go through this in my mind all the time. This is a part of who I am. Joy exposed is a part of me. So I talk, I think about this. So it's not like it's not important or I'm slack or haphazard or whatever, slovenly, not at all. Any of that. This is for real. It's important to me. So my technology issue, I'll figure it out. Next week will be better. Well, by Saturday, it'll be better because I'm interviewing um, the owner of stmspecialties.com, Stephanie Mills. She's my small business owner. Um, I'm interviewing her on Saturday. Talk about her starting her business, what her plans are, and what her dreams are. And that's a big deal. Small business owner, we've got to figure out how to put ourselves in the spotlight. And so that's what we're doing at My Shape Solutions. We're designing a spotlight to put small business owners right there to get that access to people, whether it's you, uh, it's on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you want to stream it. We're going to have to highlight the small business owner because that's what the time is. That's where we're in a pandemic and that's our, this is it. Like we're trying to figure it out for each other. What do we do and how do we do? So Stephanie Mills will be with me on Saturday at 11 for our spotlight, um, our um, My Shape Spotlight. So onto something a little funny. So I was getting ready tonight and moving my little table because I have to set everything up. And I noticed on the floor, there's a little tube. You see this? So I thought, because why not? I was like, First thought, is that KY jelly on my floor? Like, where the hell did that come from? Who's been in my room with some fucking KY, excuse me, with some KY jelly? So that was my first thought. Well, how about I go to reach and pull it up and it's Voltaren. <laughs> the cream, that, the anti-inflammatory cream that I put on my knee and my foot when it's aching. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Lord, Joycelyn, you done traded in the KY jelly for the Voltaren. Lord, have mercy. That's the old lady when you know you got your Voltaren by the bed. <laughs> I was dying when I saw that. I was like, shit, maybe I should get some KY jelly for something. <laughs> maybe I get a little bit keep by the bed for some <laughs> but anyway I thought that was hilarious because that was my first thought was KY jelly you know and now it's like it's a damn cream from my knee and my foot so that was um my Voltaren um so let's see what else before we get ready to go tonight let me think mm, 
I can't really, let's see, it's tons of stuff that's been going on all week. And um, my grandbaby has the ability to regurgitate anything that she hears. Unlike, I mean, she's that's not unlike any other kid, but when you get to, <laughs> but when you uh, get to um, your own grandkids, you kind of, like take pause, right? Um, yeah, Christy, Miss, Mr. Bengay, exactly, Mr. Bengay. <laughs> so my daughter, Jasmine, was fussing at my granddaughter, Ariel. And Ari, I'm gonna post a picture because Ariel and Jasmine are like the same people. Like they look alike, the hairs are like the color, skin color. Even facial recognition on my Google photos confuses Ariel with Jasmine. Like if Ariel's face come up, they'll say, is this Jasmine? If Jasmine's face come up, they're like, is this Ariel? Like that's how similar they look. Well, I don't know what their conversation was, but Ariel said, you're rude. That was rude, something like that. Or you're so rude, something she said. And she comes to walk down the hall and I hear her coming. And I hear Ariel say, rude as fuck. I was like, well, she probably right. Because I know Jasmine is my child. So she's probably right. But at four years old, making that observation and articulating it accurately, I was like, there's a problem. So I was telling Jasmine and Jasmine was like, what? She shouldn't be saying that. I said, exactly. But if it's said around her in situations and she can apply it, that's the thing with these kids. It's like, I felt like growing up, everything I learned was in theory. So I learned it in theory. I had to learn how to apply it. But I feel like kids now are learning it and applying it at the same time. I just don't know. I don't remember. I, I just, I don't know. So I told Jasmine she's going to have to have a conversation with Ariel about, you know, saying that. Because if Ariel goes to school and says that to someone, then she's going to get in trouble. But she's really should, is she really going to get in trouble if it's what she hears at home? Because I deal with that with kids at school. And they curse. They curse. They say the N-word. They And we like, don't curse. And they're like, what did I say? They don't know because it's what they hear all the time. So we really have to be very careful about that. But Arielle is, man, she is quick with it. And um, Jasmine's going to have her hands full. That's all I got to say. And I got three months and I'm out of here. <laughs> so Jasmine, just like I had struggled with Jasmine, Jasmine's going to struggle with Arielle. But Arielle is armed and ready she is here for the shits Arielle is definitely here for it she's not gonna yeah and i think it's because the millennial parent or maybe jasmine's a gen z but anyway she's close enough to the millennial parents i think these parents are very casual in their relationship with their kids like for me i felt like i was not casual with my relationship there was a strict I'm the mom, you're the kids. We had a good relationship. We have a good relationship, but I made sure that I stayed in a teaching role, right? That's And I still believe I'm in a teaching role. 
I made sure I stayed in that. I think now the relationship is very casual, not necessarily friend, but friendly. And it's reflective in the behaviors between the child, the younger kid and the parent. And we're seeing that a lot. I see it with my kids in the classroom. They've been raised as their parents' friend um, and uh, their conversation is crazy and they don't think anything's wrong with it. And then when the parent tries to step into parent role, it backfires because the kid's like, what are you talking about? Like, that don't even make any sense. So we have to be very, um, we're going to figure that piece out because it's our kids are, Ariel is here for it. Let me tell you that. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about before I leave is my son. Uh, Quentin is graduating this year. And um, let me say this. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, please, if you've read any of my books, will you please leave a review on Amazon? And you listen to the podcast. So can you please leave a review at Podchaser? That would be great. Let's see if I can review at, I'll put it in the chat. Review at I think it's called podchaser.com. I'm trying to just get my stuff together. Y'all know that I'm working on that all the time. Okay, so leave a review at podchaser.com um, for Joy Exposed. Thank you. Okay, so my son, Quentin, is 17. And so amazingly at 17, he knows every fucking thing. He knows everything about everybody and he can help you make your decisions. And he's bold about it. He's very bold about his opinion on how you choose to live your life, what you should do. And if it doesn't make sense, he's very bold. And I did tell him, I said, you know what? I really appreciate, because you don't want to tell the kids to shut up. You don't want to, that's unproductive. And you don't want to tell them they don't know what they're talking about. That's unproductive. Like you, you've got to give them some praise and kind of help them see what you're saying without damaging him. The key is not damage the kids. So I told Quentin, hey, I really love that with your 17 years of experience, that you believe that you can advise each of us on how we could, the choices we could have made to live our life differently and the choices we can continue to make. Thank you for having that Oh, that tenacity to say these things. But that's not how it works. <laughs> so I did tell him that. And so because he'll, he, he's not afraid to tell you that he thinks something that you did doesn't make sense. And it may not make sense to him. And a lot of times we do stuff because of the situations that we're in. Or we make our choices. We have to deal with the consequences of our choices. So now what's happened, he's found himself in a situation. And he's going on and on and on about the situation because they think that the IB exams should be canceled Um that's the program he's in in high school, IB. He thinks, they think the exam should be canceled, but in our county, they have not, but they have in like the UK, Seminole County, Pinellas County, or surrounding counties, they have canceled the exams, but not in Hillsborough County as of earlier today. Well, he's going on about it and talking about the incompetence of the administration and people patting their pockets and the dumb decisions and blah, 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 that kind of thing. And I was like, well, hey, hold on. Did you start, when you started the program, did you know you had to take these exams? And he was like, yeah. 
I said, so are you not prepared? He says, well, we're in a pandemic. I said, but are you not prepared? And he was like, well, he said something else. And I said, so are you prepared to take the exam? Well, I could be, but I don't think such, such. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. You knew you had to take the exam. So as long as you knew you had to take the exam, the plan is take the exams. If you don't have to take them, then that's kind of icing, right? But instead of wasting your energy on this thing that you don't have any control over right now, plan to take the damn exam. So we kind of went back and forth about it today. And I told him today, I said, hey, we're done talking about this. I said, you seem to completely disregard the fact that there are people around you that have more experience than you, me, your sisters, but you want to, you haven't asked us our opinion, but you want to drone on and on, on and on about this. But from our experience, we know that this mindless droning is a waste of time, you know? So we talked about that today. Well, I don't really get very stern with Quentin and today I was stern with him. So that's me being stern, what I just said. So I don't really get stern with him. And I called his sister and I asked his sister, well, do you think that I was hard on him? Because, you know, I don't like to hurt the kids and my daughters. I just, I'm very aware of them. I'm not going to say anything that's going to damage them. They've suffered enough. You know, they've had enough damage and life already kicks your ass. So it doesn't make sense for your mom to kick your ass too. You know, life's already going to do it. So my, uh, I called Joy and I asked her and she says, well, she says, mom, you know, we need that. And we know that we can get that from you. You're the parent that makes sure that we just, you don't get caught up in the emotion. You're like, this is what needs to happen. You make a choice, but remove that. You know, she said, we need that from you. And she said, did you notice? Because the message happened in the group, in our group text with me, Quentin, Joya, and Jasmine. She said, Jasmine and I, neither one of us said anything. We didn't like any posts. We didn't respond. She said, we didn't say anything because we know what that conversation is coming from you. We know that you were saying, this is enough, damn it. Take the exam accept that you're going to take the exam or don't, but stop talking about it. She said, and he ne he needs that too. So we're fine with it. She said, and I was telling her, my friend, her friend Jalil, she said, I was telling Jalil that Joycelyn, that's how they, they'll talk, they'll call me Joycelyn. Um, she said, she was telling Jalil that Joycelyn may not have any empathy because she doesn't deal in that emotional space. She's very much about do what you need to do to get through. And she kept reassuring me that it was she wasn't saying it in a bad way. She was just saying that it's hard for people to understand that piece of me. She said, because it comes off like you don't care when in actuality you care a lot. That's why you don't want us to suffer and struggle in it. So she got it, you know, so she gets it. And I think that is me. I'm very, bruh. I don't want to listen. What needs to happen? But the whole kind of emotional rant, that kind of thing, it's wasted on me because it just seems like it consumes too much of my time. And now don't get me wrong. I get emotional. I get excited. Sometimes I cry. Like I have, I'm, it's not like I don't have any emotions. It's just that for some reason, I figured out how to 
process the details to save me that emo that's emotional trauma for me like the more heightened i get in an emotional situation the more traumatic the situation is for me and i don't want any more trauma i've had my trauma i'm i've had it and not to say i won't have more but i'm not going to self-inflict it so i do probably have up a wall of protection to stop me from getting emotionally caught up in a space that I don't have any control. Like, I don't have any control in it, right? And so I don't wanna be lost in it. I want to ha see a problem, take care of it and move on. And that's what I was trying to tell my son today. And he's 17. So he figures out he's got everybody else's thing figured out but he doesn't understand that there's a process to getting to that place of development, of reassurance, of movements. He doesn't understand that yet and he has to get to it. So he's decided, he just said, I don't wanna take the exams. I'm just gonna get me a regular diploma. It doesn't even matter. It's worthless, it's whatever. I said, hey, minimize your time and effort if you want, but that's your choice. We're not talking about it. Well, I talked to other people and they said, I said, other people will give you crap about something because they haven't figured out how to make use of it. It's like, I do my business half the time, most times I do it for no money. No one can tell me that I'm wasting my time when I know I'm doing something. I'm not going to listen to someone tell me that. So we had a whole conversation about it today. And then I told him, whatever, you got another minute. You got one more minute to talk about this with me. And then it's a wrap. Fuck, I'm tired of it. Like it's over and you don't need to continue to talk about it because it's going to drive you insane and you don't have any control over it. So I just, you know, it's really tough out here trying to... You know, take care of yourself, govern yourself, take care of your kids, be somebody at work. All of these things are tough. And this goes back to the very first thing we talked about tonight is, but you've got to be true to yourself about what the hell is happening around you, what's happening to you. If we aren't true about our situation, we will always struggle in situations because our lies almost build in chaos and who wants to deal with chaos who wants your own hell created who's going to create your own hell in which to exist and why would you do that if you're unhappy in your situation choose a new situation if your job sucks it's supposed to suck it's not your forever job it's not from your gift if you don't like your job you're not gonna like the next one either, unless you figure out how to get to a place of being in your gift or being in your purpose. Otherwise, it's gonna continue. And these are choices that we're making to prolong these things. Just remove doubt, tell yourself the truth about who you are and where you are and why you're there. Yucky relationships, if you're a bad parent, if your kids are horrible, if you're horrible, if you, pretending about a relationship with your parents, whatever. Tell yourself the truth and set yourself free. Own it 
get counseling if you need. Do whatever you need to do to get yourself to being able to be of purpose, to be free. That is the goal. Thank you guys so much for waiting for me tonight. My name is Joycelyn Wells, and I am podcast host of Joy Exposed, and I'm author of The Virtues of Joy. I'm so grateful that you guys are here with me tonight. There's so many amazing things happening, including getting my uh, camera, my webcam (laughs) fixed. That's going to be up next. Um, But there's so many great things, and I really appreciate your support. And we're all going to look back to these videos and these times and think, wow, we were just trying to figure it out. She was trying to figure it out Um, because that's what I'm doing. If you have a small business and you need some help developing your business or putting your brand together or any of your small business solutions, reach out. Maybe I can help offer you some assistance, uh, build an affiliation with you. Just whatever it is, maybe we can work on it together and um, so we can all continue to grow. So I'm Joycelyn Wells. And remember, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. Mm. See you guys next week. Bye.